Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, I'm your host, Evan Satter. I'm joined by co host, Brennan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at eSatter, and you can follow Brennan on Twitter at BrennanClean14. Most far, Locked On Suns, your page on RA at Locked On PHX Suns. Your supporter is very much appreciated, as always. And, Brennan, we have an episode today. We're going to really outline just the latest storylines we're hearing out of Flagstaff once again, and also look ahead to the season a little bit. What's the hottest sort of hot headline we've seen so far through the first few days of Flagstaff? Well, I, I don't know about you, but to me, it continues to be the injuries to both Mikhail Bridges and Kelly Oubre. Another day of practice today, of course, up north, and another uh, day in which neither of those guys participated. You know, go through some of the folks who are up there this week and all of them are monitoring the situation closely. Sounds like uh, Kelly still wearing the brace kind of thing on his right hand. And uh, both guys not not really even in practice gear. Uh, still, I think some wonder at this point on my part, at least, that maybe they're just playing things carefully. Uh, the only thing that, you know, as we talked about yesterday, that, that really, truly worries me is the fact that the coaching staff, Monty Williams, and the team are not being extremely forthright with uh, the information here, which if it was just some discomfort, as as Monty called it first, uh, I think that they would just say so and, you know, give a, a basically an update saying he'll be ready to go for preseason. But if, if that was the case, I think we would have heard it and we haven't. Yeah, it's certainly something to monitor here because I think – I'm leaning on the side that's precautionary now because Mikhail had a summer where he was working out a lot. He was also with Team USA for their for their select team, helping them get ready for the World Cup. And then also with Kelly Oubre, I'm, it is really interesting. Just want to clarify to listeners out there that it's not the same hand that he hurt this time last year. It's a it's his other hand. So it's something to monitor with him moving forward as well. But I, I think this is a good opportunity though for a guy like Cam Johnson, Brendan, really soak up a lot of starting time and a lot of chemistry to grow alongside DeAndre and and Devin Booker because I think he's one of the guys the closer we get to the season the more we probably are, are thinking might get closer to 20 minutes per game and maybe like 10 or 15. Certainly uh, and I think it's been awesome to see how how ready they see him as already um, that's been surprising to me to be completely honest I mean I think we all agreed that physically the guy was going to be ready to to play just because of his size and some of the things we outlined yesterday here. But uh, to me, the mentality and everything to be ready to contribute right away is it's just impressive. I mean, forget any of the stuff we know about this team or Cam himself. It's just any time that a first year player can step into an unexpected role, uh, whether it's just for camp or on into the season, that's impressive. I mean, we all talked so often last year about how impressive it was for Mikhail Bridges to do exactly that playing you know 30 40 minutes a night by the end of the year and being ready to do so and and being productive and statistically valuable for that team and and all of that so uh, hopefully you know that was one of the things the Suns targeted with these guys is uh, that mentality and that uh, confidence and strength of character to to do stuff like this so you don't want to have to see that test right away of course but uh it sounds like cam is acing that test and and ty jerome as well i was uh interested to kind of go through some of the stories too here from camp from those that's mostly kellen olson gina mizell and Dwayne rankin are the 
the mainstays, as, as everyone will know. Uh, I'm planning to be back up there tomorrow, so hopefully I can get something up as well. But uh, Kellen wrote about Javon Carter, which uh, obviously a guy we have not talked about a whole ton. And I think somebody who goes under the radar, it's, one, it's a weird thing, honestly, to follow a guy so closely because of the profile he had with those pretty great West Virginia defenses for a while there. And, you know, being a top 35 pick in the, in the draft a couple years ago, and he's kind of forgotten. And it's, it's surprising to me when I remember that he's on this team. Like, I don't even mean that in an insulting way to him. It's just with so much other change, I, I really don't think about him that often. And he, his rookie season was disappointing, but Kellen kind of outlined that maybe, maybe he's a better candidate to play than we think. Yeah, I think Carter's one of the more interesting case studies for this year, Brennan, because I've been wondering to myself, do you think he can fill that kind of D'Anthony Melton role that we liked last year, like that energy hustle, defensive first kind of player, and he's just a little bit more experienced in that route? Because, I mean, they're both kind of non-shooters at this point in time, but I guess maybe they value that extra seasoning from Carter just four years of West Virginia than added in his rookie year at Memphis. I think that's exactly the type of, of role and the type of um, place in the, the makeup of a team that you want Carter to have. I don't, you know, he's not as skilled, not as physically gifted, not as offensively talented as Melton, but I think, you know, he, he was a, a solid draft pick for a reason, right? I mean, I think he was drafted a little bit too high, but Memphis tends to value those guys a little bit more. But, you know, his, his, work and performance in college speaks for itself he's clearly defensively has the talent to make it in the NBA so I think he's he's a guy who we will see certainly uh, get a big shot in preseason I think preseason's exactly the type of situation where these guys get their chance and it's crappy to have that much pressure on a guy in those weird situations of preseason games but uh, I think he definitely could could impress, and and what that does for his future with the Suns or with this rotation remains to be seen. I'm not proclaiming him the, the starting point guard or anything like that, but uh, I wanted to, to to read this quote from Monty Williams from Kellen's story that I thought was interesting. He said, uh, "Javon asked me today, Coach, do you want me to guard full court?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's what you do." I wouldn't want to have Javon in my shirt trying to bring the ball down the floor. So I don't know. I mean, it just seems like. Uh, you know, Monty said earlier this week that if guys show it in practice, he wants to let them do it on the court. And if there's anything Javon's going to do, I think it's going to be to show out in practice. And proving that in NBA games is, is a different thing. But uh, I think he's a guy to at least keep an eye on as the preseason comes along. Do you think Carter, I mean, he played point guard at West Virginia, but do you think he's maybe capable of playing the two as well in this system with Monty Williams? Because I think he can. I don't yeah I mean I I don't know it's the you know I guess Monty also said that he he thought Javon's shooting had improved quite a bit over the last year and a half and that's obviously good to hear as well Uh, who knows again if if it's true and um, I guess he also said the the backup point guard has to be the most, you know, what Monte looks for in a backup point guard is the most steady guy on the team because he sees him as somebody who can play with both units and has to play on and off the ball. So, um, you know, we've already heard so much about how Monte prioritizes the ability to make decisions on the fly when it comes to Ricky Rubio. And I think he'll be looking for similar things from 
whoever takes that spot. I think Ty Jerome is clearly the front runner right now. But as we've talked about with the injuries to Mikhail and Kelly, there is going to be some extra playing time, and this team will have to get creative with how it structures lineups. Maybe that does mean somebody who can step up defensively, like Javon, uh, does get more of a look than we thought in the past, you know, before the injuries. What was the next storyline you wanted to hit on as far as the latest we've heard from people like Gina Mizell, Dwayne Rankin, and Kellen up in Flagstaff? Yeah, just Gina wrote a story about... Steve Blake, who I took a video, he was, you know, helping Ricky walk through shots after practice on Tuesday. And it was just kind of struck me like, well, those two guys probably have some conversations uh, (laughs) about their, their careers. Very similar. I think Ricky and and Blake are different types of players, but at the same time, uh, definitely, the, the journeyman aspect of their career, which I think it's fair to call Rubio that now, his third team, um, and just that mentality of kind of the way that they've both survived in the league was being good good teammates on and off the court and all that type of stuff. So I, I think that is interesting, but also piggybacking off of the conversation we had about Javon Carter just now. Um, Again, Ty Jerome and Javon Carter are, are the guys Steve Blake pointed to, and I think he'll have a big, big voice in the guard, guard room. I know it's not football; they don't actually have rooms like that. But so I, I just think you know we're hearing it from a lot of different pr- perspectives at this point. So it's again uh, surprising, but but worth monitoring just how much those guys play into everything this season. Yeah, I think the closer we get to the preseason and the regular season action, the more positive we're hearing about the rookies here. And we thought originally that they wouldn't be getting much playing time, but I'm starting to really lean more towards taking maybe a veteran out and putting in Cam Johnson and Ty Jerome into a 9-10 man rotation because they seem like smart, solid system players who don't really make any mistakes. And those types of players like we saw last year, Mikhail Bridges, alongside those elite players like Booker and Aiden, they can have a lot of success and help out the team. And if they can just be non-negatives defensively. I think that's the biggest question of both of them right now. If they can at least be passable, Brian, I really feel like maybe we'll see more playing time for both Jerome and Johnson earlier than we expected. Certainly. I think that's uh, probably, besides the injuries, the number one thing. And uh, fans, I mean, we should also mention, I don't think we've said this, but if anyone missed it, there will be an open practice on Sunday similar to what the Suns did last year. So if you're wanting to see with your own eyes before games start up, uh, some of what we're talking about here and get to see Cam's sweet jumper and how that he's almost seven feet tall, uh, go ahead and, and join us on Sunday. But right after that, we got games on Tuesday. So we'll get to see all of it earlier rather than later for sure. Yeah, that's what's really exciting. It's basketball's closing in super fast. I know the listeners are as excited as we are, Brennan, finally to really see Suns basketball finally go down in person this year for the 2019-20 season. But before we go on to the next segment here, I wanted to tell everyone, if you haven't already, for listening on Bright Side of the Sun or wherever you're listening at, appreciate the listens in as always. But make sure to subscribe on wherever streaming platform you're listening to, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. We're on every platform possible. Give us a five-star review if you're enjoying what you're hearing as well. We appreciate the support here over on Locked On Suns. And also our Twitter account, at Locked On PHX Suns. We want to grow that out as well and help be a little more active with our followers and listeners. So go ahead and give us a follow over on Twitter as well. All right, Brian, what's the next storyline that you had up on the dock here? I, I, I just, I mean, we can just kind of chat about 
the rest of the league because obviously we're both fans and uh, analysts of the whole league as well. And everyone, I'm sure, is anxiously awaiting this season. The season's about to be crazy. I mean, we we spend so much time talking about the Suns. I think it uh, it doesn't always hit me the way that it did during the summer. But I'm so excited for this season. And one of the things that I've noticed that's been talked about a lot and it, it does pertain to the Suns because they have two second-year players of their own, but it's this 2018 class, and I really think it has the chance between, you know, the two guys who finished first and second in the Rookie of the Year race, but also, obviously, DeAndre Ayton and, and uh, the rest of the top five, but there's also a lot of players who were injured to finish out last year who we get to see again, and that's uh, that's really exciting to me. That's where I wanted to go here is... Um, you know, you think especially the bigs or, yeah, the bigs. I mean, Wendell Carter, uh, Bulls center who played, I think, you know, some somewhere in the 40s or 50s, finished out the year on the uh, on the bench. And Jaron Jackson Jr., same situation, 40, 50 games and had to go get surgery. And Mo Bamba, same situation. Marvin Bagley was injured early in the year, so he obviously destroyed the Suns in one game and finished out the year strong but what does he do after missing some of his rookie season and uh, as as exciting as that big man class was in 2018 we really didn't get to see we saw just enough to get excited but not really a whole lot so when you talk about DeAndre Ayton I think he's always going to be measured not only against his draft class but pretty soon against the rest of the young bigs across the NBA but I think we're going to get to see some of those other guys a lot more this season and uh, really put into perspective just how the Suns fared on that draft night when they came away with two top 10 picks. Yeah, looking back on the draft night in the lottery that year, won the 14, they had bigs, like we mentioned, go. Wendell Carter at seven to Chicago, Mo Bamba to Orlando at six. At this point, I wonder if Mo Bamba is more so trade bay because they just re-signed Nicole Vucevic. I think he might be a player to watch around a league here sometime around the deadline here, just a promising prospect. Kind of and the Suns situation. aren't going to trade for him. I still see people put that up in Brightside comments. I don't know when the Phoenix fan base fell in love with Mobamba, but there's still people who try to say that the Suns should start the Twin Towers here. Not not going to happen. Can we just get that on the record? I mean, Brendan DeAndre wants to play the four, so I mean, what better rim protector than Mobamba to replace that? <laughs> yeah. Well, on Tuesday, this uh, Gina asked a question about um, basically how much not only. Aaron could help him Baines on defense you just teaching him and kind of showing him the ropes but how much just a more cohesive roster around him guys protecting the perimeter better and not being so leaky as they were when they were one of the worst defenses in the league last year how much that stuff could help and he was so he's been berated with questions about playing the four so often that DeAndre misinterpreted her and just gave her another stock answer about how he's used to it if he has to do it he'll do it and so it's like now I kind of feel bad for him that he thinks it's coming even when it's not but no Mo Bamba is not going to be wearing purple and orange I'm sorry no, yeah, that's definitely not happening here. And the others on the list there, like we mentioned, Window Carter, Mo Bamba, and Jaron Jackson, Marvin Bagley, and DeAndre. And I feel like all those guys are properly ranked right now as far as one to three on that list, even one to four. Or I had probably have Window Carter had a Mo Bamba there. But that 2018 big man class, Brian, that's going to be, if, if Bagley turns out the way we think he can, I think Triple J is well on his way. Uh, that 2018 big man class could really be a franchise building block type of draft. It's it's going to be interesting. You talk about, you know, eventually 
there's been this narrative of like, well, what happens when the the league isn't so perimeter oriented? What if eventually there's a time when it goes back to having bigger skilled players and what how does you know the small team how do they adjust again and when is that change going to come and I don't know I don't know the answer but I think that 2018 class if it can hit the ground running like it did last season with an added year and an added summer I've heard so much about how this team believes a a year of learning about the work that it takes would would help DeAndre during this summer and they're excited to see how the off-season training will, will affect his game positively this season. I think that's true for every player, right? It's not unique to DeAndre. So seeing how it works uh, in Memphis, in Chicago, in Orlando, in Sacramento, and whether the, the change toward skilled, athletic, big players around the league comes sooner rather than later, I think that class could be one of the uh, big factors in, in how soon that, that change happens. But has there, any been, has there been anything else around the league that caught your eye when you think about not even just the Suns, but what this season might shape up like here uh, a couple weeks away? I think it's going to be a very competitive one. And like multiple players brought up at me today, it's the most, I think it's the most parody that they felt in the league in a long time. It was usually just Warriors Cavaliers part four. They were just thinking it was going to be that again until LeBron left. And then Kevin Durant leaves now for Brooklyn after tearing his Achilles I really believe now it's wide open as ever. I know LA is the heavy favorite, whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers there. But outside of that, the Eastern Conference, I think the Malcolm Brogdon move is a is a really underrated one to Indiana. I think they're going to be a really good team once Old Depot's back. Then you have Milwaukee. You have Toronto, who I think is still going to be good after losing Kawhi. There's so many good teams this year, and I feel like just parity is at, at its all-time high. And when, when you don't know what's going to happen next, Brian, I feel like that's when it's at its best. Yeah, there's definitely uncertainty in a good way. Uh, I think that's that's what's exciting here. Um, yeah, why don't we wrap up this segment then, and we'll finish up with some some other camp talk and everything, getting you guys ready for the weekend. Of if you're gonna be there on Sunday, that'd be fun. But either way, we got games right around the corner. Before we do that, though, I want to talk to you guys about Indochino, which is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. So that's $30 off your first purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when you enter the promo code Locked On at checkout. All right, where did you want to go next here? We got... We got... We have these injuries, and I think that's where my mind keeps going, honestly, is is what what changes. I mean, we know the rotation stuff. We know they might have to play smaller. like, um, But we, when you think about the, the Booker injury situation, that's just where my head keeps going back. Uh, and with with the progress we saw from a, from a behind-the-scenes standpoint and a mentality standpoint about how the people in the building approached coming to work and building out this program this summer, it just feels like they couldn't afford to start on the wrong foot because we know how overreactive this franchise can be. It felt like they really needed to forget wins. They needed to be competitive right away here and see some promise of what they were doing was working. And I just worry that with Kelly and McHale both out now, it's going to 
it's going to jeopardize their ability to start out the way that they wanted to. Yeah, that's that's really possible there. I think it could stagnate the first 10 or so games because you just need to build that chemistry with how it's an entire new roster pretty much around Uber and McHale and Aiden and, and Devin Booker there. And just having your two main wings out there who are going to play 30 minutes per game each, it's, that, that's not – if they come back in the next week or so, it's not going to matter. But if they actually start missing preseason action legitimately for a lot of periods and not really – have any updates further on their health i think that's not a good sign for what could happen on opening night maybe somehow they both miss it but i'm not leaning that right now it's still far away until opening night they're still around three weeks but i think this is a, a early test for cam johnson brandon because if cam johnson proves to be suitable defensively and also is a a lights out shooter from the very beginning and can be maybe be like a mikhail burgess type of player just smart and never makes mistakes there like a highest turnover ratio for example i really think maybe Cam Johnson could sustain that if they're both out or if one of, one of them is out because they they spent a top 11 pick on him. They traded back, got Dario Sarge and the rights to Cam Johnson. And at this point, I really believe they might have taken Cam Johnson even higher if they moved back just a few spots earlier. So they really, if if James Jones and, and Jeff Bauer and all those guys in the front office are as high as they are on Cam Johnson, then I believe that he should be able to hold the four for a, a little bit if needed. No, that's true. There is the possibility that on the flip side of the the devastating part of the injury, uh, if, if it does linger, as you said, I mean, again, like, let's not jump to any conclusions here. But at the same time, it's it's been three days now and uh, we have basketball right around the corner. So I think it already is. I mean, Devin Booker talked so much about how much being healthy was going to help not only him, but the team develop that chemistry early on in camp and how really surprised he was that it hurt so much all of those smaller un, the, the areas we wouldn't think it would affect when he wasn't able to be on the court. So I think the same goes here, and that's why I'm concerned even if they don't. You know, opening night's 20 days away. I'm not worried that they'll miss games yet, but I'm worried that it, it will still have an impact on how good this team can be to not have two of their top five, six players for the for the entirety of camp, which I think is what's going to happen at this point. We only have one more day. It doesn't seem like they're going to go from not participating to fully participating overnight here. So it, that's, that, that is a point, though, that, that Cam having this opportunity, maybe he does surprise us and seize it right away. We were hopeful that rookies the rookies not having to do that might help here but maybe maybe on the other side it will and this will be you know a test of just how uh correct the front office was about those players ability to 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 gel quickly this isn't something I have fully fleshed out either and I didn't tell you that I wanted to talk about this but uh, it was actually talked about by Nate Nate Duncan and Michael Schwartz uh, who worked for ESPN and started Valley of the Sun Valley of the Suns, the the blog, um, and they were they were bringing up the possibility that with how injury prone, again, it's a little bit of a stigmatized word, but, but the injuries that Devin Booger has struggled with, and how uh, the loss of Aaron Nelson and and just the overhaul of the training staff might affect that and the team's ability to stay healthy. When you think about Cam Johnson continuing to monitor his hip situation and just how young of a roster this is and the, the the problems that these injuries are already posing like does it 
does it concern you at all? Does that, is that an aspect of anything that you've really thought about that not having that structure in the training staff might might make these types of problems worse than they have in the past? Not cause injuries. I think getting injured is pretty unlucky regardless, but maybe not having the recovery or the preventative stuff that this, that this uh, staff was known for for so long. It certainly puts the new new upgrades to the test as far as the partnerships that they have and kind of being more hands-on, so to say. I mean, Aaron Nelson and those guys were very hands-on, but maybe more so in like a, a different direction than they were in the past. And I'll be curious to just find out what happens in New Orleans this year too because Aaron Nelson's leading the, the Pelicans medical staff now. So maybe it's possible that there's sort of a flip and maybe the Pelicans are now that team the next 10 or so years that – has that training staff, that vaunted training staff, so to say, quote-unquote. But I, I don't really think I'm there yet as far as that goes, but it's certainly somewhere if these guys are still in the injury report here in the next 7 to 10 days, then I'm going to start getting worried a little bit. Yeah, I think that's the the right perspective to have on it, and I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I just think some of these things are going through my mind, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're going through some of our listeners minds as well uh just with how how much injuries i think that's just an underrated part of what happened last year to me too is just how the injuries really hurt the kind of broke things down before they could really get started now injuries are not the reason that ryan anderson and trevor ariza didn't work out and all the different things but they are a reason that booker wasn't able to get off to the start he wanted to and missed games right away after coming back probably a little too soon and you know, we saw both of the centers get hurt and just we saw last year not just how talent can hurt you, but how bad injury luck can really jeopardize you even further, jeopardize your season even further. So I think it's just, again, the number one storyline here, the number one thing that I'm thinking about and uh, the number one thing to watch really as as everything continues to unfold with that new training staff and this new team trying to get off on the right foot. Yeah, it certainly will be just something to monitor over the next few days. And that's really the main headline right now is just the injuries and what can happen with this team. If in case of emergency scenario that maybe Cam Johnson has to play 30 minutes per night, all of a sudden will he be able to handle that? I think that's one of the subheading storylines we should watch for over the next week or so until both Ubre and McHill Burgers are fully cleared here. But I think another storyline we should hit on once more after talk about a little bit yesterday is Monty Williams. And I think the more I hear from him and the more I just see the content that the Suns are putting out as far as just the videos I've seen of Monty Williams and actually talking to him at media day and just hearing what guys have to say about Monty Williams. I'm getting more and more excited about him as the coach, and I think that's a good thing. It does, and and people should go read Gina's story again, the one I referenced earlier about Steve Blake. I think there's a lot to be talked about and written about when it comes to the work that Mark Bryan and DeAndre Ayton did as well. I I think we – I want to dig into that. We can dig dig into it more here as we see some of the tricks that DeAndre Ayton might unveil and the improvements that he will or maybe won't make uh, when basketball starts up again. But uh, I I just I I wish there was uh, I wish that we could see this team fully healthy. And let's let's all just cross our fingers that it happens soon and that we can kind of experience it together uh to start the year because uh, there was a lot of excitement and we don't want something as silly as an injury to to jeopardize that i think money and everybody has still maintained a level head again just three days of practice like let's not jump the gun but uh yeah it, i think everything else is coalescing just as we hoped it's just a matter of uh uh if if the injuries 
can can keep be kept at bay, right? It's it's really all that we have to worry about at this point, which is good. Everything else working. Let's let's stick to the positives. Maybe go out on a positive note here. Yeah, I think just it's crazy to say that the off season is finally over and we're finally just getting back into the daily content here. It was a long off season. The Suns got all their stuff pretty much done quickly out of the way. Draft night was a fireworks, and then Ricky Rubio arrived free agency, surprising us instead of going to the Indiana Pacers. He ends up with the Suns on a three year deal. I, I, I'm really just liking the pieces so far and what we're hearing out of Flagstaff. And once preseason basketball gets here, I think it's going to tell us a lot, Brent, about how organized this team really is. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's, uh, let's just, like, if the days could just fast forward. I mean, Sunday should be fun. Like, everybody should come out. But I'm ready for Tuesday. Let's, let's get it. Well, I guess tomorrow morning will be fun. We're recording with Michael Pina of... Uh, SB Nation, who just wrote a DeAndre Ayton piece, and he didn't even tell us he was doing that. So we'll have plenty to talk about with Michael tomorrow, and uh, he can give some of his thoughts on how he sees the Suns this year. He's always been a little more reasonable and, and I think, realistic about the Suns rather than just the doom and gloom mentality, which is why we love having him on and a lot of Ayton talk tomorrow. So if you're curious about what what comes next for that guy, uh, check in tomorrow for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a fun show tomorrow with Michael Pina. Appreciate the time as always. Listeners, we'll be back with you tomorrow for next episode.